of the living geek. Moshi everyone. Welcome to episode number 25 of Super Segoy Cast. I'm Alex. And I'm Justin. This is our 10th episode of being in Ohio after we've relocated. 10 10? 10 10 10. I don't know. I just like saying 10 10. Well, that's kind of a big milestone, it I thought. Especially after we had such a long hiatus, an unplanned hiatus at that. Yeah. But, you know, we finally got 10 episodes being recorded under our belt out here, plus like the original, like what, 15 that mm-hmm. we had. So, like, we're, we're back on track. We've got some good momentum going now, so yeah, there's we, no stopping us now. We're in a rhythm. And we are. We are going to continue with Tokyo Ghoul. We watched episodes 7 through 12 of 12, which is kind of easy when that happens. You don't have to worry about it hanging like on a cliffhanger by any means or like some weird middle point. Although I think that's exactly what happened. It, yeah, it's I wouldn't say happened. that it. I wouldn't say that this series ended on the best um, closure notes. No, you know? not really. I don't really think this season did finish. Like, you can say it did because it finished season episode season one, episode 12. But yeah. in reality, it, it was very finish. open. Yeah, the story definitely didn't finish. Right. There was no feeling of like, wow, that was awesome. I, I feel great about watching the first season. Yeah, I completely agree. So we'll get more into that, though. Um, this anime, like we mentioned last week, was suggested by Facebook user Brandon. So thank you very much, Brandon, for that. Yes, very good suggestion. He actually sent us a little blurb about the show and why he wanted us to watch it in the first place. And he said, Tokyo Ghoul started off to me as an anime gore fest that quickly became an addictive series of moral dilemmas, with the humanized perspective of the undead being fully explored. It treads the lines of right and wrong and from the views of the humans and the ghouls. And on that note, I completely agree with Brandon. It really did. It wasn't just like a very cut and dry basic storyline it actually explored quite a bit of things Mm -hmm. that you could go really deeply into yeah um a lot of the emotions of two different aspects it's like if we were to have a zombie apocalypse obviously we're going to try to eradicate the zombies but at the same time zombies technically are alive and have their own way of thinking they need to eat you know what i mean that's so so funny i actually just saw something on facebook about it was like a a meme kind of thing and it was like well with the people that are around nowadays if the zombie apocalypse happened we would have zombie activists yeah we probably (laughs) would we probably would and this is kind of like an anime that would in a sense explain that right except ghouls are obviously they're human just with a different appetite in a sense yeah um i'm gonna get back into something he said in his blurb after we kind of give the listeners again like a breakdown of what the show is yeah so the basic plot Kaneki Ken is turned into a half-ghoul, and he has to adapt to the new world that he's been thrown into. And when we left off, Kaneki almost died to a gourmet ghoul who was trying to eat him, and then the doves, who are the ghoul investigators, entered into the area that they live in. I forget what their, like, prefecture is um, numbered. It was, like, number 12 or something like it that. It's 20. It's uh, war- the 20th ward. Yeah, the 20th ward. And they end up killing one of the ghouls from the coffee house that Kaneki works in. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we left off. So here's where, like, I guess, like, the dilemma really comes in with, like, the morality of the show, in a sense. Like, Kaneki, he's human ghoul, so obviously he's trying to play the whole, like, mediator between the two... Mm-hmm. Not, not races, but, like... Species, I guess? Yeah, between the two species, in a sense. Yeah. Exactly. And he works at a coffee house that doesn't eat live people. They only eat people who commit suicide, like we kind of mentioned beforehand. And so Toka, who's like one of the main goals that helped take him in into this coffee house, wants to revenge because she feels for the daughter that just lost her mom. And it's just like yeah. huge. But the guy who runs the coffee house, he's an older gentleman, probably pretty strong in my, in my it thinking. Seems like it. Seems like it. He's like, you know the rules. Don't do it. Yeah, because if you do that, mm-hmm. everybody's going to come down on you. And it's just going to cause a bunch of hardship for everybody, yeah. basically. And they don't explain the rule by anything. They just kind of like, hey, you know, you go kill somebody. We're not going to defend you. We're not going to have your back. That's right. what it seems like. Because it's, it's her decision if mm-hmm. she were to do that. She's basically going to go rogue if she does that. In, in a sense, yeah. So, of course... She ends up doing that Mm -hmm. and trying to get revenge on these doves that ended up killing the parents of her friend. And she does make it worse on everyone. And now all of a sudden, all the the doves, excuse me, start coming in and start investigating and going, well, they killed some of our fellow people. We have to figure out what's going on now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just not good times for anybody. One of the key, key, key points is like, 
she takes revenge on a dove agent who's technically not even part of the two that yeah, killed... She was just, you know, acting out of rage and yeah. killed the wrong one. Exactly. And so she tried to set a trap for the two main doves, which then got flipped on her in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so she ends up killing the dove that was kind of crazy in a sense. And he was cool, though. He was he, like this yeah. crazy mad scientist guy. Think like Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Or... Like, if you played Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. his name was Hojo. Dr. Hojo, I think his name was. I don't remember him. Well, I know you don't, oh, but okay. our yeah. listeners probably do. He was very <laughs> similar to that, and for me, anyway. Yeah, okay. And so then this is this fight was actually really strong in terms of, like, an episode. It was, it was focusing on her getting her revenge, but it also really focused on Kaneki really trying to show that morality that ghouls can be human and human yeah. can understand ghouls and mm-hmm. that they should be able to coexist in a sense because he's battling the other dove who's a younger agent than this other guy. Yeah, he's basically the, the crazy mad scientist guy's apprentice. In a sense, and Kaneki does everything he can to not fight back. Yeah. He just lets the guy wail on him, wail on him, until the point where he just breaks the guy's weapon and then, like, tells him to run. Like, if you don't run, I'm going to kill you because my ghoul side, my Kagune, is going to do what it wants to do on its own. Yeah. I can't control it yet. And the guy's like, why is this ghoul not just wrecking me? Yeah. I have no weapon. I have no Somehow nothing. he's not understanding, even yeah. though Kaneki's just telling him in plain old english exactly. like i don't want to kill you so i'm sure that's going to evolve more into the second season yeah but like at this point in time this guy's still trying to get revenge because his partner died right and this is the endless cycle that's trying to be broken by the coffee shop group of mm-hmm. ghouls and kaneki as well kaneki so. realizes that ghouls and humans all share the same pain mm-hmm. you know they kill one another and they get upset for it and they take revenge and blah 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 blah, blah and the cycle of hate just needs to stop exactly and it's not going to stop yeah it's basically uh naruto it is it really is yeah so you have the coffee shop group which is known as the ante iku Mm -hmm, because that's the name of the coffee shop yeah they're the peaceful ghouls who like i said only eat people that are already dead yeah they try to keep the peace Mm -hmm. in the world but we ended up meeting a secondary group in a whole nother ward i think it was the 11th ward yeah which is where rize came from and, and Rize is the one that Kaneki got his parts, his ghoul parts from. And we also very briefly meet Jason, as they call him. He's like this like crazy buff guy who was wanting to fight Rize. But anyway, so we meet the group over there, and they're called the Aogiri Tree. And they seem to be a very well-organized threat to humanity. Yeah, they're very hostile. I don't really understand what their plan is, but they just want to take out the doves, basically. That way, ghouls can take over. That's yeah. kind of what it seems like. I think they're trying to say, like, er- eradicate all humans. We're only using them as farm animals anyway. There are cows. Yeah. In these episodes, too, we also saw that Kaneki finally got his mask. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it's pretty iconic. When you're walking around and you see it, you know that it's Tokyo Ghoul. It's an awesome mask. It is. It's really cool. It covers the non-ghoul eye, mm-hmm. and then it covers his mouth, so that way he won't eat anybody, I guess. You know, when I originally saw this mask before he had it, I took it as, like, an intimidating thing. Like, hey, I got teeth, and I'm going to bite. Yeah. But when you see him use it in the show, it's very much the exact opposite. It's open, he can use his mouth, but if he zips it closed, it just shows the teeth. And like it's like, I'm going to try to keep the peace at all costs. Yeah, at least that's how we see it. Because yeah. we, know, we know him yeah, in a way. Yeah, exactly. But I kind of wish the the guy that created the mask for him, Uta, mm-hmm. I wish that they would have had him more in the series. Because yes. they really didn't. And I thought he was really cool looking. And he really reminded me of Miyavi, the guitarist and musician Mm -hmm. that I really like. Like, he looks exactly like the way that Miyavi used to look a few years ago. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's cool, you know? But then they never used him in the damn show. That tends to happen a lot. Yeah. But hopefully they'll use him in season two, maybe. I kind of skipped over an important part of the show on accident, and Kaneki got kidnapped. And he was kidnapped by the Jason, I think, and it's because the Jason could smell Rize in him. He can, like, smell that part of the ghoul. He was familiar with that scent. I think that's why he wanted to kidnap. Well, the Aogiri tree came into Anteiku, mm-hmm. and they were looking for Rize. Yeah. And they couldn't find her. And so, yeah, they could smell her on him. Mm-hmm. And they I don't know why they wanted her, though. They never really explained that part. I don't either. And so they took him... Not only because of that, but because I think they just wanted to cause something with with Anteiku at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's then, also kind of where you find out that both groups have a connection 
Toka has a brother in the Aogiri tree. Yeah, and he's like the... He's not the main guy. In, no. Because the main guy's Jason. No. The main guy's not even Jason. The main guy's like that giant owl beast that we saw for like three minutes. Oh. I, show. I assumed that that was the old guy that ran the coffee shop. I don't think so, because... Because they, when they referred to that beast, they it was seemed like he was already part of the, the tree organization, and that's why the Jason was like, I need to hurry up and finish doing what I'm doing because I thought they were trying to get away because mm. they saw this guy coming. See, that's what I thought okay. because when he showed up, it was right after the old guy was talking to Toka, or no, he was talking to somebody, and he was like, it's, "This is taking too long. I have to go up there because all the doves were on the roof." Okay, see, I didn't take it that way. I guess we'll find out in season two. Yeah, we will. <laughs> so back to the blurb of our friend Brandon who suggested this anime to us. He said it was an all-out gore fest. Yeah. And again, I don't know if it's just because it's on Hulu and we're not, not watching it on like an actual Japanese anime streaming site, site. Like streaming site like Crunchyroll maybe. There was, there was blood, yes. And the show was supposed A to be TVMA. But yeah. like in terms of actual things being shown, it wasn't. No, they censored out a, a ton of it, again, of it again, just like in the first six episodes. So it was just like, why are there always these blur lines? Like, it's it's kind of annoying. It's, it's not blur lines, though. It's direct shadows and, yeah. like, dark spots placed over the mm -hmm. screen so that way you can't see what's happening. So I'm thinking that's like a, a Funimation thing. Yeah, that's what I think. When it was licensed for North America, that's mm -hmm. probably exactly it's what like, happened. Like, oh, we have to get rid of this because we're too cens censored here. It ended up hindering a lot of the show at the end because... Mm -hmm. When Kaneki is kidnapped by Jason, Jason tortures him a lot. Like, yeah, it's really sadistic, too. It is, and it's very extensive, and it's very brutal and gory, and we couldn't see most of it mm -hmm. because it was censored out. I think this is why they wanted Rize, and uh, I'll kind of explain that here in a little bit. But, like, he's getting tortured, and you actually kind of get some of the Jason's background. You do. And you also get to see Kaneki talking with Rize a lot more in mm -hmm. his mind like because subconscious. he's yeah because he's losing it basically because mm -hmm. this guy he's torturing him for hours and hours and hours mm -hmm. and all he's doing is he's just doing it because 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 well, Kaneki won't die well that but I think all right so ghouls in general kind of have like a regenerative ability in a sense not the best but like the specific Hagune that Kaneki has is like excels at regeneration and healing yeah before they didn't just kill ghouls outright they used to capture them put them in like in a prison in a sense and this one specific ghoul J jason was tortured by one of the human guards who was crazy because i think yeah. the doves were getting their weapons like that they were taking the kagunes off of dead ghouls and stuff like that mm -hmm. and using them which is crazy in itself yeah you know so, so jason used to go by a completely different name he wasn't as crazy as he was <laughs> as he is now and the thing about that torture in the flashback that the person torturing jason was having him count back by sevens from like what a thousand yeah. or something like that to try to keep him as sane as long as possible yeah and like the torture would pop his knuckles which is something that jason does now yeah and when we got the one glimpse of like holy crap kaneki's gonna be a beast now yeah. He was popping his knuckles, too. Right, because Jason finally broke Kaneki, basically, and mm -hmm. Rize, he let Rize kind of take over for a little while, mm -hmm. and he let the animal side out, and he destroyed Jason. He said he would never eat anybody, but even though he took a bite of Jason to get a little power and said he just he was tasted disgusting. Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, you're nasty. Him. But he still ate him. Yeah, because yeah. like the last words are basically him saying, like, are you going to lay here and let me eat you now? Because that's what you were going to do with me. So we see Kaneki turn into this crazy dude now mm -hmm. and cracking his knuckles and making Jason count back by seven. Yeah. So he turned into Jason. So, but like, again, the hit on like the, it wasn't gory, like the torture, all the guy was doing was pulling off his toes Which is, and pulling mm, off his fingers. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's bad. Yeah. I was like, like, how's that not bad? <laughs> the, the thing is like, they wouldn't, they censored the fact that they wouldn't show his toes getting pulled off, but they'd always flash back to his feet and you can see that the toes... Had, had regrown grown and they were gray compared to his foot's like paleness right and his fingers too mm -hmm. and but when he was attacking jason though jason got messed up and they had a lot of shadows on him where he mm -hmm. was damaged and stuff too just like with the gourmet ghoul yep. in that first fight on the last episode that we did yeah. so it was kind of annoying but i mean we got the point yeah but like we were saying before I feel like this entire season was just setting it up for season two. It seems very much like that. Yeah. Was, for what we assume is a season of only 12 episodes, there would have been more story faster. But they did a really great job, I guess, extending this out and giving you a lot of in-depth 
like storyline yeah. specifically for season two. Yeah. So in that sense, I want to watch season two. I really do because as well. I feel like that's where the story is. It, mm-hmm. And that's where I because this the first season it was really slow up until like maybe the last half of the last episode. Yeah. Like you even thought it was only episode eleven, and it was really like, I we, did. we were on twelve. Yeah. Like, I was like, finally, oh wait, no. It started to get very interesting the last half of that episode, mm-hmm. and it's like it really, really, really set us up for season two. It did. And I know you wanted to talk about the... You found some info on the Kagunes. I did, Because okay. we were curious about the Kagunes yeah. last episode. And we were like, mm-hmm. why are they different? And blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out that there's a whole bunch to it. Um, they didn't explain why the specific ghouls like Kagunes were white. And they also didn't explain this in the show. So no. we had to go look it up. It actually breaks down really in depth. So there's four different kinds of Kagunes. And the first one is the Ukaku, which is like an upper back... Um, which is like Toka. She mm-hmm. has like a wing or wings if she, I think, eats enough humans to become full power. Yeah. I think maybe one wing got ripped off or something M- like that. Maybe. The Ukaku specialize in high-speed attacks, but because they're so fast and they can like shoot their wings like we've seen in the fights, they're low stamina. Then there's the Kokaku, which is mid-upper back, and it's heavy, which gives it a lot of sturdiness, so it's really great for defense, not so much for offense, and that's the gourmet guy. His, like, really thin ribbon kind of mm-hmm. thingamabob, like shield. Yeah, like, he could make it strong, but if you notice, he couldn't keep up with, like, Toka's speed. Yeah. And then you have the Rinkaku, which is the mid-lower back. It looks like tentacles, and this is what Rize, now Kaneki, have. Mm-hmm. And their whole thing is that it's really good for, like, regeneration. Like, they heal fast. They have an okay attack, not great defense. It, their Kakuri is the weakest. And then you have the Bikaku, which is lower back, and it's like a tail because it sprouts from the tailbone. This one is probably the best one to have overall. There's no weaknesses to it. It's average on offense, average in defense. So depending on how you evolve yourself, you can do very well with this. Yeah, this is the one that Jason had, I yes. remember. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. Well, it's not funny, but interesting now that you mention it, that it's called the Bikaku because B means tail. Yeah. Like in Naruto. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I did read, and I didn't put it on here, but it's just a, a note I remembered, was that if two ghouls meet or mate together, there's a very, very small chance that the ghoul born will have the parents, both their kagunes. Oh, that's right. And Hinami, who's a little girl who loses her mom and her dad, mm-hmm. actually has both of those kagunes. And hers was very interesting looking mm-hmm. once she sprouted both of them. Because we've never seen any of her stuff before until yeah. that fight with the crazy guy. Mm-hmm. So She's got a tail and tentacles. Yeah. But the thing about hers was that was interesting is at a certain point I remember seeing the scene, and I don't know if they did it like this just because of the coloring or whatnot, but they look faded. Oh, they, yeah, that's right. You know, they like they turned almost like a clear... Like a hologram. Yeah, yeah like a yeah, clear, like cellular in a sense. Yeah, translucent. Yeah. There we go. It was crazy. And I was just like, yeah. this person's going to be special. See, maybe what you were saying was was right in the last episode about how maybe the coloring has to do with, like, how many people they've killed or something like that. Maybe. Because she's the one that ended up killing the mad scientist guy. No, she didn't kill him. She just took off his hand and defended Toka. Oh. Toka killed him. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Because it was after that that her mm-hmm. wings and stuff started to go translucent. Yeah, this is true. So it was like, maybe that had something to do with it. Who but, knows? yeah, I don't know anymore. Anyway... I really want to watch season two. I look forward to it, and I hope it's as great as the last episode left me feeling. Yeah, and when we do watch season two, we'll write a blog about it. That Mm -hmm. way we can kind of share what we've thought and seen with everybody else. Yeah. So, thanks again, Brandon. Yes. The next anime that we watched for this episode was another suggestion. This one by Twitter user Omendeos, at Omendeos. Um, It was Yokai Watch. So we watched episode number one through six out of 124. That's crazy. That is a lot of episodes. So the only place that we could find this was on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's only in English. Yeah. And it is a younger show. Yes. So it's not terrible, but the voice acting is not the greatest. Like, I'm sure if we were to be able to watch this subbed in Japanese, it wouldn't seem so bad. Yeah. Because there are certain animes that you can watch that are, you know, on the younger side that are great. Like, when you watch a lot of Japanese anime that's... Geared for younger kids. Yeah, it's like watching a Pixar movie or a DreamWorks movie. Right. It's meant for kids, but it has some adult humor in it. And yokai in English, because of it being in English and the way Americans kind of turn things into they made it specifically for kids which is kind of disappointing but you know 
if we could find it in japanese we would totally watch it in japanese but yeah for now english only and like we said it's on netflix so yeah. like we could probably find a random anime site that does play it in japanese but oh, yeah. our, our There's goal a bunch. is to support the streamers of animes and also to legal, find it, legal, le- streamers. legal streamers of animes while also giving you guys accessible sites to watch it from yeah the plot of this anime it follows a middle schooler named nate who gets a yokai watch that helps him identify and befriend all the yokai causing mischief in the world so as you can tell already it's a very um yeah very childish plot mm-hmm. very simple and if you don't know what a yokai is the yokai are japan's version of spirits more on like the monster side mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily like evil monsters none that we've met yet it's just spirits that are good bad neutral it's just like a spirit like... in general so in the first episode nate who is the main character he finds a gashapon machine which are little capsule ones the ones you put quarters in and they drop out little plastic balls with toys yeah that's um that's what Anoda like to go to um, yeah. Akihabara for. He'd always want to get his animes and go to the Gashpon machines to get his little trinkets. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Yo Mushi Pedal. You'll find them all over Japan if mm. you go. There, the, there's the tons everywhere. Yeah, they are everywhere. And they always have random little toys in them. Mm-hmm. Like, we actually just sent some to our friends that were astronaut animals. <laughs> like, why astronaut animals? Why not? Yeah, that's, why not? That's a Gashapon. So, anyway... He finds a one of these capsule machines in the woods, and he puts money in and gets a little toy. But when he opens it, it releases a yokai named Whisper, who explains that he's a yokai butler, and he looks like a ghost. And he ends up giving Nate a watch that allows him to see other yokai. Yep. Why? Because... Why not? Why not? They don't really explain that. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, thanks for letting me out. Here, take a watch. <laughs> The first episode kind of just is a general breakdown. You meet your very first yokai. You meet actually your first two yokais. Mm-hmm. But as you watch more and more of the show, it starts to seem like it's mini episodes. Because you have like the first half shows this person meeting the yokai and what the yokai is doing mischievously. Then it has the commercial break. And then the second half shows that yokai he just found, maybe even captured in a sense, helping him with another yokai. Each episode does have anywhere from two to four mini episodes, mm-hmm. and they all feature different things. Yep. It's kind of like Pokemon, in a sense. Yeah. Because every episode of Pokemon features different ones that they find, and they use them to fight other ones. You know, it's like Pokemon, but it's Pokemon using Yu-Gi-Oh's like, summoning machine. So, like, Pokemon, you had to catch them all, which is what this guy's trying to do by trying to befriend all these yokais and capture them and get their coins. Yeah. But when he wants to summon them, he has to take that coin and, like, slide it into his watch, which then summons the yokai. Yeah, that's funny. After their, like, (laughs) animated, like, dance thing. The dance thing, I don't know. It's kind of dumb. That's more childish. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they do it. It's not necessary. I think they just do it to kill time. Yeah, basically. And if anything that makes it really terrible and dubbed is the intro. Yeah, the intro is so bad in English because it's, it's like get a get a po, and that's the song. But then uh, it, go, but then of course for some reason I don't know why all these kids shows use rap songs I in know. the middle to like, like try to get kids interested. It's uh, like I don't know. get the yokai, you know, and it's like what? No, please no, why? please no. And it goes from rap to this like R and B breakdown. But like yeah. the R and B isn't even fluid. It's like telling a story. He goes to his room and captures another. Yokai. Yokai. Yeah, like, and it's like, what? This doesn't rhyme. No, like, it doesn't. There's no fluidity to it, too. Like, you just heard me sing it. It's like, it's that, like that, but probably worse. Yeah, so if you can get through the intro song, give it a chance. Yeah. You know, it's not, It's a fun show. I like it. If okay. I was, uh, no, if I was a kid, no, not even. If I was back in high school, I would watch this show every day. Not even gonna lie. <sighs> I used to watch Hamtaro. Hamtaro was amazing. Hamtaro, is that about a pig? No, it's a... Well, okay. Ham-hams. <laughs> ham-hams are hamsters. And ham-hams. Yeah, that's what they're called. They're called ham-hams. And it's about little hamsters. And, okay. And his name's Hamtaro, and they have a little dance and a song. Like Ham-taro. I said, if this show was in Japanese, I would probably watch it and be a little bit more interested. The fact that it's in English, it's harder for me to want to watch it. I'm very biased when it comes to sub versus dubbed. I know. I don't know how I got through my life watching, like, dubbed Pokemon and dubbed Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> and dubbed freaking Dragon Ball Z. Like, yeah. 
but I guarantee you now if I was to go back and watch them, I would probably hate them dubbed. Probably, because now you know. I you have know? the experience of subbed, and I prefer it by far. But again, we don't have the option this time. No. So it's Okay, it's not terrible. If you're looking for something to have on the background that has at least a simple story that you can always follow along with while you do some other things, yeah, this is the show for that. Well, and another thing, these yokai that he finds, they're based on real Japanese yokai. That's cool. So all these little monster things, they're technically real in mm -hmm. a way, but they're, they have different names. We've met quite a bit of the yokai right now. Yeah, because like we said before, each episode has like two to four mini episodes. Exactly. And you, you usually meet at least one to two new ones, and mm -hmm. then you meet the other ones again because there's always some situation where you need one to counteract the other in a right. sense. Right, because each yokai does different things. Mm -hmm. Like the first two that we meet, Dismeralda and Happier. Desmeralda makes you sad, mm -hmm. and happier is happy. And He's their like husband and wife. happy guy. Yeah. So they, like, they're the neutral together. So if you come across a yokai that's doing something, I don't know, that you need to make them happy for, mm -hmm. you can use happier, and he'll help the situation, I guess. <laughs> okay, so to kind of go back into the fact, like, how this show is kind of on the kiddier side, especially in English... Nate decides to like secretly try to go to the bathroom do a number two and he's like super embarrassed and he like comes out and he leaves the door open and this girl Katie walks by and goes and he's got a crush wow. on wow like she like she makes it sound like it smells terrible and she's like I can't believe Nate just did that and then she goes and tells Nate in front of everybody that yeah man you like destroyed the bathroom and you end up finding out that she wouldn't have done that normally but it's because she has a yokai called uh telltale tattletale tattletale sorry hanging from her chin which is creepy yeah. by the way it's this little old lady with really long arms mm -hmm. and it grabs onto like your ears and it just kind of hangs like hugs under on your jaw yeah it, it hugs onto your chin and it like tells you it goes tell tell it's like if that thing was real mm -hmm. i don't i wouldn't like it no but <laughs> she's probably my favorite just the way she looks I love the fact that she's like this old lady, little like bun top hair and yeah. like her like extra long arms. But it's neat because it seems like the yokai know the other yokai because you end up finding out that there's like this older gentleman yokai who's like in front of a 7-Eleven mm -hmm. making people eat unhealthy. Hungramps. Hungramps. Nate summons Tattletail to... Because right. he wouldn't tell the story of why he was doing it. Yeah. So Tattletail goes and gets him to explain why he's doing what but he's doing. Funnily enough, he's like, oh, it's about time you showed up. Let's have some tea. And then they sit there together and these two old people just chill out and drink some tea. That's probably <laughs> been like the funniest, most favorite part of the show for me so far. Really? Yeah. That, his story was actually really sad. It though, was. Because it was kind of like, like in Toy Story when they get kind of tossed off to the side and forgotten about and then they get reunited with someone and it was mm -hmm. i guarantee if it was if we had been watching it in japanese it would have tugged on the heartstrings a little bit probably because that's anime is really good at doing that mm -hmm. but when it's in a child's american version it's just like they gave him a terrible voice and yes. he's just like voice acting for japanese shows in english is just awful yeah and they don't explain the full story and you don't get all the emotions and you no, know what i mean exactly so those are just a few of the characters what's well, your I, favorite so my favorite one's name is elu and it's an owl and it would be the owl yeah he was awesome he was like a wizard owl and he makes illusions and stuff and he's mm -hmm. got like this really cool beard and all these clouds around him and stuff and he's yeah. got like all this cool robes on and the and stuff like if they made a toy i would buy him i'm yeah. sure they do oh i'm sure they probably have yeah. them all over the place i'll have to find a toy but the thing is is that there isn't necessarily a linear story because you can watch the show out of order and still kind of get what's happening, mm -hmm. you know? They do kind of revisit certain yokai, though. Like, Mangy Mutt, the dog-faced human... Sorry, the human-faced dog. Mm -hmm. He's been in, like, four different... Five different like episodes. The HFD. We have another HFD sighting. Yeah, and he keeps getting arrested. He does, and, like, like the cops are like, whatever about it. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But it's like, why Why is he getting arrested? Okay. Because he's a human-faced dog. I like. think the more we look back on the show, the more I see things that are kind of funny. But as I was watching it, I'm like, this show's awful. <laughs> well, that's because you went into it all biased, you uh, know? I'm you so gotta, biased about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, Anyway, you gotta have fun with it. It seems like he's very repetitive in the show, but Jabanyan is like all he's over out there. the place. Yeah. And I don't know why he summons this dang cat. Because it's a cat. Because Japanese awful. people like cats, I think. I know, he's but this just cat cute. is useless. He is. Jabanyan is just this red two tailed cat, and mm -hmm. he's 
I don't know. Okay. He's just a jerk. <laughs> Before we get on to more about random things, random facts about this show, I want to say one thing that I'm sure would have translated a lot better hmm. in the Japanese version versus the English version. Like the last episode we watched, Nate had his friends over. Yeah. And they hacked well, the satellite controller to turn on an adult nighttime channel. It's kind of interesting because it makes it seem like it's not necessarily meant for kids mm -hmm. because like in Japan, anime is not necessarily for children. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Teenagers would watch this, adults yeah. would watch this, and it has funny adult things that happen like the sleepover. They're trying to watch the late night adult channel. Yeah, you know? and like everybody knows what that channel is meant for. Yeah, and it's like Skinamax. It's, it's kind of funny too that you mentioned that because Yokai Watch for North America was put on the Disney Channel and Disney XD. So for that scene, they replaced all the scenes on the TV with the girl cat band mm -hmm. um, and replaced it with like a cooking show. So they changed that episode to make it seem like they're staying up late to watch a cooking show at night. And it's like, what? That's pretty crazy. And it makes sense because Disney's Disney. Well, yeah, of course. I'll give my thoughts on how I actually end up liking or not liking the show after we've kind of finish up our 12 episode okay well i'll give mine i like it i think it's fun it reminds me of old shows that i used to watch back in the day mm -hmm. that like pokemon and i used to get really into like mighty max on tv and stuff like that i feel like this would have been one of those shows for me i would have been all over it watching it every day so i'm okay. excited to see the rest the one thing about the show that i remember reading was it was so popular and still is popular in japan they thought it was gonna exceed pokemon yeah they thought that this was going to replace it this whole series started off as a video game. It mm -hmm. wasn't a manga. It wasn't anything else. That's where the anime came from. The first game came out in 2013 in Japan, and then in North America, it came out in 2015. That's really recent. Wow. It is, and it's probably only because it did so well in Japan. Yeah. But it didn't translate quite as well. North America is just kind of like, meh about it. They don't really care. There's 12 different 3DS games. There's really only Yokai Watch 1, 2, and 3, but there's different versions of it. And oh. then, like, a couple spinoffs. Kind of like Pokemon Red and yes. Blue, Silver and Black or whatever. Exactly. Okay. And then there's also five mobile games, six different manga series, and two anime movies that came out in the movie theaters. Like, All that spawned from a game. That's crazy. It is. Yokai Watch is huge in Japan. It's so big. The second anime movie came out when Star Wars The Force Awakens came out in December of 2015. Well, Yokai Watch sold more tickets than Star Wars did on the first and second weekend. So technically that movie made more money? Well, so they sold more tickets, but the tickets for Star Wars were more expensive. So oh. they were they ended up being pretty equal, but the fact that Yokai Watch sold more tickets mm -hmm. means more. Is that like worldwide or only No, in that's Japan? just in Japan. Okay, see that makes a little bit more sense. But that's crazy. That just tells you how big this series is. That's really insane. But as we know, Japan loves its video games, mm -hmm. and we actually have a lot of video game stuff to talk about thanks to all the E3 coverage that came out two weekends ago by the time this episode airs. It's kind of funny. It's like this episode is, instead of it being like our normal cover some anime and then going to fun Japanese stories we happen to find, this is basically like, hey, here's some animes and E3. E3. <laughs> <laughs> um, first things first, I'm excited for this, and I'm not normally a person who will buy a console right when it comes out. It yeah, took me two years wait. to get the PS4 after it came out. It took me several years before I bought the PS3 after it came out. But this one here, I'm excited for. It's the PlayStation 4.5, a.k.a. the codename PlayStation Neo. It's an upgrade for the PS4, but it will coexist with the PS4 until the PS5 comes out. Which is kind of weird, but mm -hmm. it makes sense when we explain why. So this one, the 4.5, it's basically keeping gamers up to date with new hardware advances and mm -hmm. tech advances that have come out since the PlayStation 4 has come out. Mm -hmm. So it's also going to have 8 gigs of RAM and 4K capability. That's crazy. So it's really smart on PlayStation's mm -hmm. part because they know PlayStation 4 is outdated already. It's funny. I swear PlayStation and Microsoft, like have to communicate with each other about this stuff because of course as soon as playstation decides to come out with its 
4.5 version yeah, that's coming Scorpio. out on Sunday. Yeah, the Xbox Scorpio. So it's like, how, why all of a sudden do both of you happen to have an upgrade at the same exact time? There's got to be some like friendly competition communication between the two. Like, hey, we're upgrading. You should do the same. Back into the 4. So The 4.5. Sorry, the 4.5, which is why I was... <laughs> I never really finished why I wanted to buy it. So um, my PlayStation 4 at this point, it's 500 gigs, and I'm at like 490 yeah on it like i'm i'm full i can't put any more games on there without deleting other games um and i feel like it'd just be overall better for me to buy a brand new system that's going to be running better especially because our ps4 is kind of mm-hmm. going out now it is and for some reason the internet's not picking up on it and it's just it's kind of going downhill yeah fast. but you know we've had it for several years already and yeah. it's outdated it's interesting though like after its first year its fans started to run really loud I would have fans on it. I would turn it sideways. I'd do my best to try to keep it cool. But like, as soon as I downloaded a game from the PlayStation Store onto it versus disc, all of a sudden it just like it couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, it was really struggling. Yeah, so I, I can. It's definitely up needing an upgraded like processor among other things, and that's one of the reasons why I want the four point five. Definitely, we could use it, and mm. you know, we can justify spending the money on it because it's been so long. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. I mean, I really want to play VR, and yeah. VR is going to be hooked up to the four point five, not yes. the four. Yes. That's the thing. That's the big thing about the 4.5. It's VR compatible, yep. and that's huge right now. So game changes will be out as early as October, which is way before the console is going to be released. Mm-hmm. All games that do come out during its life cycle will be compatible with the PS4. So they should be interchangeable, but they didn't necessarily explain that. Because if we download one, you know, it's like, are we going to have to choose between 4.5 version and 4 version? I think it's just going to be one and it's going to be for both systems. So here's the thing so like games coming out that are meant for the 4.5 are compatible with the 4 but does that mean the previous four games are compatible with 4.5 that's what i want to know because i have several games that i'm still playing dark souls bloodborne that are ps4 can i make those play on the ps4.5 or not i'm thinking what's going to end up happening is there will be patches that come out that will make them compatible for the 4.5 i hope so not necessarily that it's going to add any new tweaks or anything Mm -hmm. but just that it'll run with the 4.5 that's what i'm hoping for yeah but again Um, we have no idea no we don't it's still going to be using the same playstation store it's going to have the same online communities that i'm a part of a few myself so i'm glad that that's going to transfer over and you know, it's actually only priced at about 350 So yes, you're paying for a brand new console, but I think it's going to be very worth it. Yeah, it's not 500 bucks. You know what I mean? That's too much for me. But mm-hmm. 350 that's fine. That makes sense. You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. We need it and it'll happen. The so. only thing that I haven't seen on it is it's gigabyte size. Is it going to be 500 like this one? Is it going to be able to have one terabyte at this point? I imagine. Memory's not as expensive as it used to be. It right. should theoretically automatically be like a one terabyte. That's what I was thinking. I'm sure that it'll be bigger because that's one of the biggest complaints with PlayStation right now is that Mm -hmm. we have all these games that take up all this space and, you know, there's nowhere to put them. Grand Theft Auto is 60 plus gigs. Um, I've been playing The Division. The Division itself on disc, by the way, was like 30 gigs. And I've had two or three updates now that have been about four gigs a piece. Right. So we're talking like an additional 16 gigs. And that's on disc. Yeah. If you download it straight to your console, it's huge. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's not necessary. No, it's really not. So I'm sure they're going to be doing something about that. At least we hope. Yeah. But we'll find out more once they release more info. So. But it's like uh, the whole why now, like it's only been three years since the release of the PlayStation 4, so why are we already getting an update when it took seven like years. seven years between the three to the four? Yeah. My best guess is that it's the VR. Like yeah. They really were like, okay, we need to get the VR now because while PlayStation is doing well, I think it's kind of starting to maintain and they want growth. Exactly. Growth seems to always be the thing for companies. Well, yeah, and we have the Oculus and mm-hmm. you know the Microsoft VR stuff coming out and yep. all that kind of thing, so they really want to push hey, we have new stuff. Keep buying our stuff. I'm glad they're going VR versus 3D. Yeah, me too. I think I would lose my mind if 3D was the next thing coming out with games because I don't care for 3D movies. Right. 3D is not for everybody. No. But let's talk about the VR because since that was just announced at E3. So the VR is going to release this year on my birthday on October 13th. Which makes me wonder if this console isn't announced when it's going to be releasing why is vr releasing at a set date already like is it going to be able to be used on the four i think maybe it's releasing a little bit early so that way you're not dropping you know six hundred dollars all at once well you're already going to be dropping four hundred on this 
Well, yeah, the VR is for, it's going to be 400 bucks. That's probably why they priced the PlayStation a little cheaper than normal. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking. It's, they're going to have the VR come out. People are going to see it and go, well, gee, I really want that, but I'm going to have to upgrade to the new console. Mm-hmm. If they had the console first, they're not going to have any sales on the new console until the VR were to come out. Mm-hmm. So with this, they'll get people thinking about upgrading faster. Probably it's smart marketing. But as I just said, it's releasing October 13th on her birthday, so... Hint, hint. Went... hint. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, $400, though, so... So you better start saving? Yeah. Is that that's what we're saying? Uh, I mean... <laughs> um, so 50 games will be available at launch through the end of the year. That's pretty crazy. It is. It's actually really nice. One of the problems that a lot of consoles have is that there's no games. There's like four games. And it's like, well, I'm not going to spend all this money for four games. That was one of my biggest arguments against myself buying the four. There wasn't going to be enough games. Well, that is not a problem this time if there's going to be 50 different games that are out from the launch until Mm -hmm. the end of the year. And if the VR comes out in October, that's only two months. So that's a lot of games to come out in two months. Let's touch on a couple that we happened to see that were released at E3. They didn't really give a whole lot of gameplay. They were just kind of trailers on what you're looking at. Teasers. Teasers. There we go. Yeah. The first one was Star Wars Battlefront and X-Wing Mission. Oh, it's first person it piloting an X-Wing. Great. It looked great in the it teaser. Did. People are going to get seasick oh, and yeah. airsick and stuff because like that. Because it's just so crazy Motion flying around. It. You're in space. Like, yeah. There's no land. It's going to be so hard to play that. Like, I have difficulty flying aircraft and stuff in games now. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine having to do it in first-person VR. I just hope this <laughs> isn't meant to be like a PvP game. My original thoughts when Star oh, Wars Battlefront yeah. came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I love Star Wars. going to get story and blah, 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 blah. And there's no story whatsoever. No. It's literally just all PvP. So I'm, I'm hoping that because this is called an X-Wing mission it's actual missions happening me too because that's my biggest complaint with battlefront mm-hmm. the other ones had story mode this one does not and so, it's but like this is we're also done with it already. game so yeah we'll see what they do hands up okay so the next one i want to bring up literally didn't have any gameplay didn't really have any no. teaser trailer to it it was just a fun i voiceover liked the arkham batman arkham games like i didn't play the latest one which had amazing reviews even with all the bugs that it came with Mm -hmm. but this teaser was literally like the idea of me technically putting on the vr headset and having it be the batman mask yeah it's just such a cool cool thought it is and the trailer the teaser itself was actually really fun it was was just a voiceover from the joker but Mm -hmm. you know this this joker this mark hamill joker he's the best joker ever i love it sounds awesome yeah so it's just like you know what you're getting into it's going to be really fun whenever it comes out you watch trailers or teasers that like get you really hyped for video games or movies this is a trailer that had absolutely nothing happened in it but just because (laughs) it was mark hamill's the joker voicing over like you putting on the mask and turning into the batman was so cool it like i'm excited i'm excited for it too but i'm more excited for this final fantasy 15 well, game you're a final fantasy nut i can't help it but so this game they didn't really give a name for it but it's some sort of arena fighting game mm-hmm. and you're in there with the characters from final fantasy 15 and you're fighting the creatures, but you get to blink or port around to different mm-hmm. places and Looks like, like you shoot, shoot a revolver them and, and stuff. And stuff like that, and yeah. yeah, so it'll be really cool. I to think like, the blinking is gonna mess with people. Yeah, that it's that's gonna be hard to figure out and control. You but know, seeing all these giant monsters and like fighting against them, I think mm-hmm. is gonna be really fun. It is, and I just kind of thought of something. Hmm. Like we work graveyard and we have to go to sleep with it being like light outside. Yeah. So like sometimes I've always thought about maybe getting like a sleep mask. Well, hell, I'm just going to put on Final Fantasy in my VR mask, and I'm going to fall right asleep. <laughs> you would, you I'm big jerk. I'm going to pass right out. <laughs> so before we discuss the last one, which probably to us is the biggest of ones in VR games, yeah, let's actually talk about the game not VR first. Yes, they had a demo. Mm-hmm. So the game is Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which, which is interesting. You originally told me when I read it out loud, when I told you, when you first told me and I looked it up, I was like, oh, it's Resident 7 biohazard that's awesome and you're like oh that's not the title biohazard is what they call it in japan yeah i thought you were ju- i thought it was like a slash or in parentheses yeah. or something that he read out loud no so they actually put biohazard in this game's title mm-hmm. which is cool because it's it a mesh cool. of the two versions you i know? like it i do too and it makes sense because it's the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. and so the full game comes out january 24th of next year 
2017. Yeah, which isn't that far away. No, it's not. We only have six months. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Right now, they have this teaser available. It's called Beginning Hour. It's available on the PlayStation Store right now for PlayStation Plus members. Woo, for being a member. Yeah. (laughs) And it's very short, but it's really awesome. So I don't want to give any of the teaser away, except for very key points. The mission basically is escaping the house. Yeah. Of course, it being a Resident Evil game, you're basically just trying to find every little thing in every little nook and cranny. Yes. It's a survival horror game, and Mm -hmm. it's all about puzzles. It's completely different than any other Resident Evil game that I've played or seen. It's amazing. It's more horror story versus you just like in zombies. Ever since like Resident Evil 3, I think Capcom's been saying, we're going to take Resident Evil back to its horror roots and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. And they never really did. It just, you know, it was very stagnant. This one, I think they finally succeeded with taking it back to its horror roots. And like, I do not like scary things. Yeah, so I played played this this one. She played it and I watched. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. But you actually jumped at a certain point in this game. I jumped twice. That doesn't happen for you. So like, holy crap. (laughs) Stuff is happening. It just got real. (laughs) Like, if you guys can see her face right now, she's glowing with excitement. It's insane. It's going to be amazing. There was so many cool little interactive things that happened. There was. Like, oh, I don't want to give it away because I don't want to ruin it for people. Right. But it's, it's first person because it's meant for, for VR. VR. Literally, you're walking around the house and all you have is like flashlight in a sense. Yeah. So everything around you is dark outside that circle. And one really cool thing that I remember we mentioned in like an older game that we were like excited for was that when you like try to pop through doors or open doors, you don't just open it and walk yeah. out. It's like you kind of push it slightly open. Oh, I hated that. It's creepy as oh. hell when you do that because you just don't know if something's going to be there and you'll be like, oh crap, and like close the door. Right, because so, you hit X and mm-hmm. your hand comes off and touches the door and it like pushes it open, but only just, yeah. you know? And then you have to hit forward with the control to, to actually, actually open, open the door. Yeah. And it goes with you, so it's That's like so <laughs> awesome. So can you imagine doing that in VR? No. And like, it, it's cool too because you're sitting here and you can like hear things in the house. Of course. But when that's you... the thing. It's more like Silent Hill yeah. with the with the environmental horror sounds and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so you're already kind of like crap. Oh crap! Am I gonna die? Yeah. What's going There's on? Oh my happening. god! And so like you go and if you accidentally kick a bottle, it sounds like you kick a freaking yes. bottle. You go to try to unlock a door, open a door that's locked, and you hear like a jiggle, extremely loud. So yeah. you're like crap. They're gonna know I'm here. You hear chairs squeaking and skidding on the floor yeah, and stuff when you're walking it's over like, them. like, oh my god, it's creepy as hell. It is, and I'm really like, excited. I really suggest if you guys do or don't like horrors, I don't care. Go play this teaser. It is awesome. Yes. The other big thing about it, though, is that it looks so realistic. It looked amazing. So they developed a new engine. It's called the Re-Engine. I don't know if that stands for Resident Evil or not because it's RE. <laughs> Specific but, for Resident Evil only. I mean, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. They they you know, they might have done mm-hmm. it because of this game, but it's photorealistic. Yeah. So it looks like you're really there and it's playing that awesome. in first person, it's going to mess some people up. I think if I play it with the the VR mask or whatever, my heart might jump out of my chest literally yes. at certain points cuz I'm already kind of a jumper. So this game is going to probably scare the heck out of me. This is definitely going to be a fun one to play. Yeah. In the daytime. In the daytime, all <laughs> lights on, all windows open, like no doubt and this will never be played in the dark. So one of the other games that had a lot of people really excited during E3 yes. is called Death Stranding. And the entire reason that everybody's so excited, Hideo Kojima came back. Which is awesome because it's not just him, it's with Norman Reedus. Yes. Which was going to be originally the Silent Hill when they were going to work with... Silent Hills. Silent Hills. Yeah, with, with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, so it's like we got two of the three. And exactly. I'm sure Guillermo del Toro has some form in this. I, I hope can almost so. guarantee it. So yeah. we don't know. So this was amazing because nobody was expecting it. It was mm-hmm. a complete surprise. Everybody freaked out when he came out on stage. Right. There's no release date for this game. It's actually still in production. It's still in the works. But it looked awesome for the little teaser. It did. It was very surreal. This mm-hmm. this trailer, this teaser that we got for it, it was very tense feeling. Yeah. There was so much detail in all the little right? things that they showed in this like 40 second clip. Well, okay, so let's try to break it down. So you, you kind of come into the scene with Norman Reedus being naked. Naked on the beach. Naked on the beach. When he was lying there, he was covered in handprints. You're right. And then he woke up. 
Yeah. And yeah. The, he had this baby that was connected to him through an umbilical cord. Kind of type thing. Yeah. yeah. But like you see handprints like walking in the sand in a sense. Yeah. And then at a certain point, the baby disappears. It like melted into him. Yeah. It was really interesting. And then you see handprints at that point like crawling on him. Yeah. And the whole beach was covered in dead crabs and dead fish and, and dead like, whales. Like, and... But the whales looked alien-like, I, I think. To me is what it looked like. It looked yeah. like maybe like dead giant squids. It's like that one anime. Which one? The one where they live on a boat and they have like the giant squids that are like evil in outer space, but oh. like kind of evil in the water. Um, Gargantia of the Virtuous Planet. Yeah. This game seems like it's going to be a scary game, but it gave no real reasoning as to why, except for the creepy freaking disappearing baby in the hands. Well, no, because also when after the baby like dissolves into him, mm-hmm. he stands up and there's these five like human kind of figures. Oh, I forgot about that. That are floating in the sky. And then they get like this a smidgen closer. They just kind of float a little bit closer and then they disappear. I completely forgot about that part. That was the creepiest part. Because it's like, what's happening here? The whole thing was creepy. Like, it was, yeah. I don't know what this game is going to be. Yeah. But it's, I'm interested. And I'm looking forward to it. To kind of continue along with the uh, VR aspect of this episode and to kind of get out of the uh, scary parts of it let's go to the more <laughs> adult corner as yeah. you can say so meanwhile um, in japan meanwhile for sure um they had a, an adult vr con yes, in japan in akihabara yep. of all places because that's the mecca of gaming stuff yeah it, and technology and whatnot the vr event went full scale it included chest and waist attachments for you guys like yeah. along with the actual vr headset to help uh you know feel things yeah um <laughs> that's pretty crazy like so the venue could only hold 300 people an additional 500 showed up not including the people who didn't want to wait and went home those 500 people that showed up waited outside yeah until the police had to come and make them go home like, because like they a... were clogging up the streets yeah, it, it was, was like crazy. oh my god people the company that hosted the event which we couldn't find Mm-mm. but they're gonna host another event Mm-hmm. in august to cater to all of the other con goers that could not get in and this is like what you assumed as soon as vr was something that was going to happen you it knew it was going to go this way it makes me think of demolition man with sylvester stallone he has a scene with sandra bullock where they put on these like headgear to in a sense oh, have yeah. like so the virtual stimulation. like adult thing yeah. It's going to be obviously for games, but you understand it's probably going to be yeah. more used well, there's for already, adult things. Yeah, there's already like adult simulation games like mm-hmm. that, you know, without so, having without having extra attachments. But so. now there's going to be attachments <laughs> and it's going to be there in a sense. But um, to get out of the adult corner and back into video games, we're going to complete today with the fact that I finished Dark Souls 3. Yes. At least the original game I have started in New Game Plus. Yep. I loved the game, by the way. It's, in my opinion, better than Bloodborne, and I can't stop playing it. Personally, I thought Bloodborne was more interesting to watch, and Mm. it had cooler characters, but this game is obviously more a newer generation. Yes. Or, you know, it came out after Bloodborne, so Mm -hmm. it's got tech tweaks and stuff like that to it. But, like, I think I'm just more interested in the way Bloodborne looked, because Bloodborne was more on the supernatural side with werewolves mm-hmm. and things like that that's true whereas with dark souls it's just knights and undead it's more knights. like undead yeah. yeah so i mean in that sense it's kind of boring visually but mm-hmm. it's still like pretty to look at you know what i mean funnily enough i found it to be easier to play than bloodborne i felt like some of the bosses were more manageable granted there were a couple bosses that were really really hard for me like specifically like the nameless king was a hard fight and yeah. i think like that was a hard fight for almost everybody but there's so much in-depth intricacies with the story yeah. like if you do one thing one way it changes the outcome of three other people's events oh my god and i know that's vice ridiculous versa. so it's like i was like okay i really want to finish this dude's storyline and this person's storyline but i also want to don't like lose this person so what happens if i do this to this like how's it gonna happen <laughs> so like yeah. alex really really helped me out with like researching things and like how they evolved out without giving away the story exactly. Exactly, because like you know, the story in itself is actually really hard to understand in the game, but I love it. I love all the extra weapons you can get. It's really cool that you can kill a boss, and there's multiple weapons you can get with the boss's soul or rings or swords. Yeah, and, there like, is a lot of in-depth crazy. stuff with crafting and things like that. Yeah, and like the one thing about Bloodborne was like you're very limited in terms of weapons you can level. Yeah, you kind of like you're like all right, if I'm gonna go strength build, I'm gonna say strength. 
and level this one specific, maybe two specific weapons because there's only so many crafting materials. In Dark Souls, the crafting materials are insane. There's yeah. so many of them, and each weapon can level from different things. What did you think of the play style? Like, for me, it, depending on the class that you choose, mm -hmm. it greatly makes a difference in the play style. In the long run of the game, you can pretty much take any starting class and turn them into the same thing. If you play long enough and you get enough levels. Yeah. But really where the play styles vary the most is the very beginning, the early levels. You choose a knight, you're obviously going to be tank because you have a little bit more stats. And you start with heavier armor versus like if you start as a thief. As I've read and seen later on in the game, it, it ends up not mattering if you went dex or strength. Well, that's good news for me because I am having so much difficulty with my mercenary. Mm -hmm. Like... It is just, the the fights are just so long with the bosses and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's just like, my my stamina doesn't match because I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to mess up at some point and then I'm dead. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, that's one thing I think that is carried over for sure from Bloodborne to Dark Souls mm -hmm. in terms of like mechanics. You start as a strength character. It seems like the early part of the game is very simple, but for like a dex character in a sense, the early part's harder, but in the long run, it feel like your damage will outscale the strength person because you can hit so much faster and be able to get in and out while the strength person's trying to swing this giant like sword or hammer at your face. I look forward to still playing it, and even though I'm replaying the same game, it was so enjoyable. I get to do different story outcomes that I'm really intrigued, and that's not something that happens very often when I play console games. Yeah, there is a lot of replayability. For a while, like the only game I really ever played consistently was League of Legends, and since I've been playing Dark Souls, I honestly haven't I haven't played League of Legends and by the time this episode releases, like in a month and a half. It's pretty, pretty crazy because he would sit there for hours playing League of Legends, but now it's hours on Dark Souls three. And now that he's completed the first run through, mm -hmm. I'll be able to play more because I've been stepping back so that way we could get through the game at least once. Yeah. That way we could talk about it on the show. So now I'll be able to take more time and actually get through my side of it. If you guys liked the original Dark Souls and you just haven't had a chance to get to this one, or if you liked Bloodborne, but yeah, you've never played a Dark Souls game... Definitely try out this game. Get it. For me, my favorite part is the game design. That makes a huge difference in games for me. Mm -hmm. If I don't like the way it looks, I get really bored of it, and I'm just like, eh, I don't really care if I play anymore. Yeah. But with this, it's so beautiful. The backgrounds are really nice. The environments are awesome looking. All the little details of items in, mm -hmm. the, in the scenery and everything make sense. Like those skeleton trees and stuff yeah, that I loved and everything. Really neat. Even the character designs are really cool. Not necessarily for you as the character, mm -hmm. but different bosses that you have to fight, like yeah. the Deacons of the Deep. I love the Deacons. I thought that they were amazing looking. They you were know what really I mean? Cool. Like, not necessarily because of what they are, but just how they moved and that kind of thing. I thought mm -hmm. they were really creepy. Yeah, and... kind of like float at you in a sense. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, I don't know. Like, they weren't even that big of anything in the game, but they were just really cool yeah and then the nameless king obviously looks amazing he's probably really my cool. favorite designed character yeah so if anything check out just some of the screenshots and yeah, see what the game looks like because it's gorgeous what do you think is the worst quality about the game since you've been playing i honestly don't have one what? I honestly do not have a worst part of this game. Well, I would be like, oh, I hate the fact that I die so dang much. Yeah. But in reality, all that dying in the long run serves for when you clear the zone and you defeat that boss. It's so much more gratifying. Like, yeah. this is, is for me, it's it's crazy playing other games and completing them or playing like league and hitting a specific rank was nowhere near as gratifying as it was for me grinding through this game and finally beating a boss or a monster like yeah. like the croc opossums you oh, had a, those things were beasts yeah you had a terrible time but with like, those guys it took me so long to beat like the nameless king that like alex and our brother came out and we were all watching me play it and mm -hmm. when i finally beat it like i was so excited i gave out like five five fives yeah we were all like yeah, what like, happened <laughs> you don't get that from a lot of games anymore so like that's probably my favorite part about it is it's so gratifying when you finally do accomplish what you're doing Thinking about it, though, I do have one complaint. Hmm. And that is that the story is so hard yeah. to follow. Yeah, it would be nice if they gave you at least a hint as to like what mm -hmm. you're kind of supposed to be doing. But it's like a love-hate with the story. I hate the fact that they don't give you a whole lot, but at the same time, I feel like I really enjoy it. And I love the fact that the story is so hard and in-depth and secretive because it, it makes you want to do research and really put time and effort into understanding what right. you're doing with the game. Well, the thing is, though, is 
if we weren't in an age of internet, mm, I'd you, be pissed. Yeah, everybody would be pissed. Would, they'd be like, what am I supposed guide? to do? Yeah, yeah, like how do I? Why did this? this guy disappear? How mm-hmm. come? You know, how do I get this back? You you wouldn't replay it enough times to figure it out. No. So and so yes, the age of internet, the the Dark Souls three wiki has been beyond helpful. We'll see what else From Software comes out with. Yeah. From what I heard, their next game is not going to be a Souls game. It's going to be something a little bit different. I don't really... They didn't say that it was going to be similar. They said they wanted to kind of get off that track. Mm-hmm. But it should still be something really in-depth. And Maybe they'll do like a shooter in that kind of like storyline where you get like... Oh, that'd be... I don't know. That'd be interesting. It would be. As long as they kind of keep the same visual designs that make a From Software game a From Software game, Yeah. I'll be really interested, I think. Well, we'll look forward to it. But uh, that about does it for this episode, though. Make sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at SuperZooGoyCast. Also, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music. Send us a message at SuperZooGoyCast at gmail.com. We love when we get comments and emails and stuff like that. Also, check out our shirts and other stuff at notlg.spreadshirt.com. We would love some support. I can't wait for wintertime. I'm going to buy a sweatshirt, and I'm going to wear the heck out of that thing. Yes. Check us out on our host site, Night of Living Geeks, or NLTLG.com, where you can also find a bunch of other fun podcasts. They always seem to be adding more, and there's always something for everyone. All the time. Also, thank you to Alex Barroza for our music. We'll put his link down so you can check out some more of his work. Bye. of the living peak.